Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Would you pray with me? Lord, it's our joy to join in the chorus that is happening in glory right now, proclaiming that you are holy, holy, holy. There is no one and there is nothing like you. And so, Lord, we are so thankful to be in your presence. From the moment that you began knitting us together inside of our mother's wombs, you have been so good to us. And so, Lord, now, our desire as we turn to your word, which we believe is unequivocally true, is that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that when this experience comes to an end, we would leave different, more like Jesus, so that more people in our community and all around our world might know of your holiness and your goodness and your willingness to receive them through Jesus Christ our Lord. So speak to our hearts, renew our minds, make us more like Jesus, for it's in his precious and holy name that we pray, amen. Now, when you think about people who are living their lives totally separated from God and totally apart from God, you really have two groups of people. The first group are people that have never heard of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've never heard the name Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. They've never heard of the Bible, much less seen one. And you may say, how is it that there are people in 2023 who are still living in that sort of state? Well, they are. They live in many places that we might call the ends of the earth, and we send missionaries there and money there and shoeboxes there. But you know, there are even people right here in the United States of America who have never come into contact with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are passionate as a church about going to those folks, going ourselves and then helping others go to them as well so that these people might come to know God through Jesus Christ our Lord and find forgiveness of sin and have everlasting life in Him. We're committed to reaching that group of people. There's a second group of people, though, that are living their lives separated from God, and these folks are much harder to reach with the gospel because it's not that they have no information about God, it's that they have misinformation about God. And I'm going to tell you that is rampant absolutely rampant. And regardless of the source of direct delivery of the misinformation about God, uh, it's very dangerous. And in fact, it's just as dangerous as not having any information about God. And in some cases, it's even worse because to help these people come to trust and follow Jesus, you've got to unconvince them of some wrong things so that you can show them what God has said through His Word. You know, that can come through a lot of different places. It frustrates me. You know that I'm a country music fan because, you know, I'm saved. And um, just making sure you're awake. Sorry. Um, but some of the theology that is communicated in music, country music especially, is terrible. It's terrible. There are not holes in the floor of heaven where your dearly departed loved ones are crying, and that's what's causing the rain. If that were the case, heaven wouldn't be heaven, would it? So, anyway. Um, there's a lot in popular culture. Uh, my goodness, when the Da Vinci Code came out years ago, Dan Brown convinced a whole lot of people that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. He was not. 
They didn't have a kid together. There's not a royal bloodline. The royal bloodline is through Jesus' blood, and it is open to all who have repented of sin and received Jesus Christ by faith. You are brought into the royal bloodline. But my goodness, the number of people who believe that Dan Brown was telling the real truth about the Bible was crazy. And that's been 20 years ago, and I still hear about it. Or there are even churches that are committed to either theological liberalism that says this Bible is not for today, we've progressed beyond that, and we're going to tell you the real truth about God, and it's just not true. God has given us His Word. It is full and it is final, and we're not progressing beyond this. I don't care what somebody with a reverend in front of their name tells you. This is, this is what we follow. This is the revelation of Almighty God. Through this, the Word of God, we receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. And so, I don't care if there are people who are called reverend or pastor or preacher or whatever, even bishop or whatever, and, and they tell you, well, God said this thousands of years ago, but He doesn't mean it today. No, that is not the case. He absolutely means this. And yet again, I will say, as the pastor of First Baptist Church, if there's ever a day where I stand up in this pulpit and say, I know God said, but that was back then, and He doesn't mean that now, please fire me and find yourself a preacher who will proclaim the Word of God. That's why the pulpit's in the middle in a Baptist church, because the authority in the room is not any sort of ordained person. The authority in the room is the Word of God. Okay, so wherever that misinformation comes from, it, I mean, it can even come, it can even come very innocently. It can come from grandma, and I know grandma never does anything wrong, but sometimes grandma tells you that thunder is the angels bowling, and that's not true. <laughs> it's just not. And it doesn't help our cause when you go into your science class and say, well, actually, thunder is the angels bowling because, you know, Grandma said. That doesn't help things, right? So sometimes we can get misinformation about God, but what does it do? It gets embedded in our emotional framework, and so it's kind of hard to, to unconvince people of what they heard somebody say. And that's why it's so important that we read the Word. Because if we don't get in what God has said, then we have to trust what somebody else says about God. And, and while that's great, and we're thankful that people communicate truths about God, God's given us His revelation to each of us. We live in post-printing press days, best-selling book in the world, more available now than ever before, in more languages than ever before. And yet so many of us don't read it. So we trust what the, te the, the TV preacher says. And I am a TV preacher now, so I can talk about them, and I can tell you that some of the stuff they put on TV is garbage. It just is what it is. So be careful. We're going to look at the life of Philip today. Philip was never antagonistic, at least in the record that we have of him, uh, to Jesus. But he did embrace some misinformation. And Philip had to grow beyond that misinformation to come to know Jesus as he really is. Philip's going to show us how to do that. But I'll go ahead and tell you that the way to overcome misinformation is to be open to what God says through His Word, the truth that God reveals through His Word. And if you'll be open in your mind and in your heart to receive the truth that God communicates through His Word, then you can have a deep and vibrant and growing relationship with the Lord throughout the course of your life, and then you can go to heaven to be with Him forever, and it's a beautiful thing. So, the theme for today's message is this. Philip decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. Philip decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. Look with me to John chapter 1, three verses from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 46. 
This is in the Pew Bible, the red book, if you're in the room. That is page 887. The Apostle John writes this account of Jesus' initial call to Philip as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Our first point today is this, Philip followed Jesus through a new invitation. Philip followed Jesus through a new invitation, and this is just a reminder that Jesus issued the same invitation to all of his disciples, and he issues the same invitation to you and to me. It is follow me. Not pray a prayer, go through some sort of religious ritual, and you're good, live your life however you want, and it'll be fine when you die. No, his call to all of us is follow me. So that means I trust him and I follow him in this moment. That's our goal at First Baptist Church. I want to trust him and follow him in every moment. But watch what Philip did. As soon as Jesus called him to follow him, he went and found his friend, Nathaniel, old Nate. And Nate was skeptical. We found him. Ah, he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, just insert your favorite town that you call a good place to be from here, you know? And what did Philip say? Come and see. Come and encounter Jesus for yourself and see what happens. That's our job. We trust him and we follow him and we invite others to do the same. And even if they're skeptical, we still say, come and see. I can't convince you. You know, I've never convinced anybody into heaven. All I can do is introduce them to Jesus. He takes care of the rest. Well, now flip over with me to page 891 in the Red Pew Bible. We're going to look at John chapter 6. And this is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Some of you have been to this place with me. You've seen the mosaic of the loaves and fishes. That's a, a lot of years old. But as Jesus looks out across this crowd of people who are following him, he looks at Philip. And in verse 5 of John chapter 6, Jesus does something. He asks Philip a question. John writes, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. The second point, Philip followed Jesus to a new recognition. Philip followed Jesus to a new recognition. All these people were here to celebrate the Passover. During the Passover, you eat unleavened bread to remember what God did to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt about 1,500 years before this time. Celebrated God who gave them the bread of life, the manna in the wilderness. It was miraculous, but it happened a long time ago. And Jesus looks at Philip and says, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? They're hungry. This is not the special unleavened bread. This is just bread. It's dinner. Philip said, I, you got me. I don't know. If we had all this money, it wouldn't, I mean, they'd all just get a bite. So I, I, I don't know. 
And Jesus was asking this to test him because Jesus was getting ready to show him who he really was and what he was able to do because it wasn't just that Jesus was able to multiply the loaves and fishes and feed everybody with 12 baskets of leftovers because our God is a God of abundance, not of scarcity. But no, Jesus was teaching Philip and the crowd that not only could he provide bread that leads to life, but rather that he is the bread of life, come down from heaven to give life and sustenance to all who would receive him. So Philip had to come to a new recognition. Jesus is bigger than I thought he was. He's more able to do than what I thought he could do. And his identity is even more meaningful than I thought it could be. Now turn to John 12. John chapter 12, Jesus has come into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday has happened. They've come into the city, and there's Jesus around the temple. Some Greeks approach Philip. And in John chapter 12, this is page 899, beginning with verse 20, John tells us that now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls from the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Our third point, Philip followed Jesus to a new realization. They've just come in on the triumphal entry. I've followed that path down from the Mount of Olives into the city. It's amazing. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now some Greeks want to see Jesus, and that's amazing because they're Gentiles. And Philip and Andrew go to Jesus and say, there's some Gentiles who want to see you. And Jesus kind of ignores their question and says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he says, my soul is troubled. And that had to jar the disciples because we know from the context of, say, for example, James and John asking to sit beside him in his glory or the arguments that the disciples were having among themselves about which was the greatest, that they still expected the messianic reign that would overthrow Rome and establish God's kingdom on earth from Jerusalem even in that time. They had to come to a new realization, and that realization was that the glory of Jesus would be on an old rugged cross. But through that old rugged cross, he would open the way for all people unto salvation. So Philip had to realize that it wasn't going to look like he thought it was going to look. How many of you have had to realize that in your life at some point? It's not going to look like I thought it was going to look. But God's going to be faithful and accomplish his plan no matter what. Philip had to follow Jesus to a new realization. And then the last point, John chapter 14, page 901 in the Pew Bible. Jesus has just said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I will come to get you so that where I am, there you may be also. 
Thomas speaks up and says, Lord, where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We'll now look at verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the count of the works themselves. Our fourth and final point today is this. Philip followed Jesus to a new revelation. The disciples were a lot like you and me. Jesus told them a lot. They picked up very little. But what Jesus is telling Philip is that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the Word made flesh to dwell among us. He is, as Hebrews would tell us, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus was telling Philip, Philip, when you look at me, you're seeing God. For God is revealing himself to you through me. God is making a way to himself, to you, through me. Come to me. Although Philip's faith wasn't perfect and he had to grow, he kept coming to Jesus. And I'm glad because for people like me and maybe even you whose faith isn't perfect, but you're willing to grow, here's how you do that. You keep coming to Jesus with an open mind to hear and believe his word and to trust and follow him in every moment that you live. Would you pray with me? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.